Good morning. Good morning. Wow. That was actually uh, a response. Usually it's just kind of a... But uh, glad to see you all here this morning. Uh, just to let you know, Pastor Walter is away. He and uh, Don Cambridge are exploring a potential uh, new mission opportunity. So they are in South America uh, to... They're in South America today, and so we'll want to pray for them as they are exploring that, that opportunity, and then as they return a little bit later, but uh, South America. Uh, anyway, it's time to, for y'all to calm down and get serious. We've got church here. You know, John the Baptist, he said of Jesus, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Well, Jesus did that. He paid the penalty for our sin when he gave his life on the cross. And when we truly understand that, we can only have one, one appropriate response, and that is to say, hallelujah, what a Savior. Let's stand. practicing your parts. I heard some beautiful harmonies and blending in there. Um, thank you, David, for leading um, that worship song. My name is Julia Murray. I'm the college young adult minister here. And welcome. We are so glad that you are joining us for worship today. If this is your first time joining us at Anastasia Church, we have a welcome gift for you at the desk right outside of the doors here. Please stop by and say hello. Introduce yourselves. Uh, you can also text the number 904-441-6900. Let us know that you are visiting, or also for our old-timers that are here all the time, that's a great way to let us know any prayer requests that you may have. Um, we love praying for y'all and being a part of your lives through that. A few announcements. We have an exciting summer ahead, and you can go to the Anastasia Church website and look at the calendar. It's backslash calendar to pull up all of the summer events, but a few that are happening this week, Tuesday, 
men, we have a faith and fitness class beginning at 6 a.m. So it got a good chuckle in the 8 o'clock service, too. <laughs> Um, so men, if you, um, want to get in the, the summer bodies in shape, 6 a.m., faith and fitness, <laughs> please, uh, be here. Ladies, we will be in the word doing our spiritual fitness. So women's Bible studies begin Wednesday evening, and hopefully you can get plugged in in one of those ways. Also, Vacation Bible School is almost here. We have over 330 kids already registered with still time to sign up. So if you um, were thinking about volunteering and helping out with that, there are still places we'd love to have you um, plugged in there. And you can also get your t-shirts. They're available in the atrium for $7. Thank you. You know, the earlier service, Julia had a hard time getting through that men and fitness and 6 a.m. with a straight face then either. And, and, and they laughed too. I don't, I don't understand why. And, Lori's about to bust a gut right now. <laughs> breathe, breathe. Well, just uh, after we observe Lord's Supper, we're going to have a, a special guest with us who's not really a guest. He's one of us. Ira Cunningham is here. He'll be bringing God's word in just a few moments. As I mentioned earlier, Pastor Walter is away. And uh, Ira is one of our faithful church members here. So if you've been here for a while, then you have heard him before. If you've not, heard from Ira, then you are in for a very special treat this morning. So welcome, Ira. We'll look, look forward to seeing you in just a few more minutes. Now, Peter wrote of Jesus, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Peter was continuing a thought that had first been put forward by the prophet Isaiah centuries earlier, who had written of the coming Messiah. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So, how do people like us, men and women, steeped in sin, how do we approach a holy, sinless, morally perfect God? Well, Isaiah provides the answer. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thought. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. So before we partake together of the Lord's Supper, let's take a moment to examine ourselves. So would you bow with me? And let's begin by asking the Holy Spirit, who indwells every believer, to bring to mind anything that stands between you and God, whether it be a word or a deed, an attitude, even a thought. Ask, ask the Spirit, reveal any unconfessed sin. And then as those things come to mind, acknowledge those sins. Don't make excuses for them, but own them. Agree with God that we are straying sheep. And now repent. Turn away from those sins and turn toward the shepherd and overseer of your soul and ask for forgiveness. And if you sincerely repented and asked for forgiveness, be comforted by God's word, which tells us that the Lord is merciful 
and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. And so now we are prepared to rightly approach the table of the Lord. Let's stand, let's sing. Jesus at your holy table May our hearts united be Bind us with your grace and presence That redeem and set us free Crucify our pride and hatred Like the path on which we walk Teach us how to love each other In the way that you have taught Christ remind us of your passion Of your precious life outpoured of the love which none can fathom and our victory evermore bread of heaven wine of promise feed us with your holy word nourish us with your strong So welcome to the table of the Lord. This is not the table of any particular church or group of churches. It is the Lord's table, and the invitation to participate comes from him. And since it is the Lord's table, he has the authority to determine who may or may not come to it. So, so to partake, there's no requirement that you be a member of this local body called Anastasia Baptist but the Lord does specify that those who come to his table are to be believers who have placed their faith in Jesus and have been obedient in publicly declaring their faith by being baptized. So if you can attest to those two criteria, then you are most welcome to join in the celebration. Now, you should have received the elements as you came into the sanctuary, but if for some reason you did not, if you would just simply raise your hand at this point, uh, Steve is here with the elements, and he can make sure that everybody has one. I see down here, Steve. And he'll be going around. Is anybody else that wants to participate that does not have their elements? Right down at the front, Steve. Step down here, Steve. I think that is everybody. Now, this is a tricky one, so go ahead and get it. Get that top peeled. It's tough. If you happen to be wearing white pants, be extra careful because that is juice that will stain. So once you've gotten your elements and gotten the top peeled off that you can get to easily, uh, we'll hold them and we'll all partake together. So remain seated as we continue through song. Let's sing together.
Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. Now the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Lord, as we take the bread representing your life that was broken for us, we remember and we celebrate your faithfulness to us and to all who have or who will yet receive you. We can't begin to fathom the agonizing suffering of your crucifixion, yet you took that pain for us. You died for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your extravagant love, your unmerited favor. Thank you that your death gave us life, abundant life now and eternal life forever. As you instructed your disciples, we too receive this bread in remembrance of you. Amen. Let's take the bread. Let's partake together. Paul continued to the church at Corinth in the same way also he took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me let's pray again Lord as we take this cup representing your blood poured out from a splintered cross we realize that you were the supreme sacrifice for all our sin, past, present, future. Because of your blood shed for us and your body broken for us, we can be free from both the power and the penalty of sin. Thank you for your victory over death. You took the death that we deserved. You took our punishment. And today we remember and we celebrate the precious gift of life you gave us through the blood that you spilled. And so we drink in remembrance of you. Amen. Let's partake together.
Paul concluded his instructions to that church by reminding them, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's stand again. Lift your hearts and raise your voices, celebrate this wondrous love. Join the chorus with all Christians and with saints who live above. Silent lips now sing with gladness, blinded eyes are filled with sight. Jesus' love has pierced our darkness, brought us home to peace and light. Thank you, Father, for the privilege we have this morning of celebrating this uh, communion. Thank you, Lord, for what you did and what it represents. You shed your blood for each of us here. And that bread represents the broken body. But let your whole now, Lord. You're in heaven with your Father, soon to return. And I rejoice in that. Lord, I thank you again that we can give back to you through our offering, through our tithes, and through our gifts. Lord, I pray that you will bless them and use them for your glory as we minister together here at Anastasia. I praise you for that in Jesus' name. Good morning. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, easing the anxious mind. And boy, do we have anxious minds these days. Easing the anxious mind, 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. We are made in the image of God. And since he made us in his image, we are capable of great creativity and we have great imaginations. A problem with our imaginations is that we are able to say, what if? What if this happens? And then what if it leads to this? And then what if this happens in my family? And then what if this happens? And then what if? And if we're not careful, we can what if ourselves into anxiety and worry and fretfulness that is unhealthy for us in every way, just in every way. Please stand with me as we read the passage. This is First Peter 5, uh, verses 6 and 7. In the previous verses, uh, Peter tells them, he says, you humble yourselves toward one another. You need to humble yourselves, bow yourselves before one another, being willing to even get down on your knees and wash each other's feet. And so he says, humble yourselves toward each other, but also toward God. In verse 6, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that, that at the proper time he may exalt you, he may lift you up, casting all your anxieties on him, all your worries on him, all your cares on him, because he cares for you. Let's pray. 
Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that you offer us peace in exchange for our anxieties. We give you praise. Give us your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This word anxiety, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you, this word anxiety uh, in the Greek means to pull apart, to divide. And so when we have anxiety, we're torn up inside because, I mean, the very meaning of the word is to pull to pull apart and see there's a hole and there's in both directions, opposite directions, we're being pulled. And the pull and the battle and the struggle inside that we experience when we're having anxiety is the struggle between faith and fear, between trust and doubt. In faith, we say, God is good. Lord, you're good and you can take care of it. I know that everything is going to be great. You've got this. But fear comes in. And we begin to think, well, I might not make it through it this time. Uh, I'm not going to survive this. God can't help me this time. Do you you see? And so there's this battle, this struggle inside of us between faith and fear. That's what anxiety is. And that's what Peter's talking about here, casting all your anxiety, all your worry. It is this division inside, this pulling, this tearing up uh, that we experience uh, inside of us. Jesus used the same word in Matthew chapter 6 when he said, don't be anxious for what you're going to eat. Don't be worried about what you're going to eat. Jesus said, I've got that. Trust me on that. You can trust me. I'm going to give you, you know, what you need. Consider the birds. You know, you can trust me on this. And then he goes on and, and he says, don't worry about or don't be anxious about what you're going to wear. All, all your other physical needs. He says, trust me on this. I've got this. And then he says, of all things, he says, don't be anxious about tomorrow. He says, I've got your tomorrow. I can handle it. I've got it. You can trust me with tomorrow. And so Jesus says, trust me. We have faith in him. We believe that He's, what he says is true. And so we have faith in him. And then we allow fear to enter our thinking, do you see? And it begins to do battle with our faith. And we begin to think, well, maybe he's not going to take care of all of these things. And what if this happens? And what if this happens? It's the very definition of, of the, the word. Don't wear, we don't need to wear ourselves out with this battle going on between us, between faith, God, you're going going to take care of me, and fear, God, you're not going to. So where does it begin? I mean, how do we ease this anxiety that we have? I mean, it's a human condition. How do we ease it? How do we deal with this? How do we live with this? Well, it starts with humility, and number one is... Humility allows us to see our need for God. Humility allows us to see our need for God. When we humble ourselves before God and put ourselves in verse 6 under the mighty hand of God, we are admitting, God, I need your mighty hand on my life. I need your mighty hand on me. I can't handle this stuff that I'm going through. I can't handle these problems. I can't handle this pain. I can't handle this confusion. I can't handle this, these things that are going on in my family, in, in our world. I can't deal with it. Well, I just can't do it. I can't handle it. I need your hand upon me. So that's humility. The prideful person says, you know, I think I've got this one. I think, I think. You know, I've got my hand on this. I, I, I think it's going to be okay. I've got my hand on this. I, I think this is, you know, going to, be, going to be good. In Mark chapter 14, Jesus and the disciples are on the way to uh, the Mount of Olives. And on the way, Jesus tells his disciples, he says, you're all going to fall away. You're all going to fall away. And Peter says, wait, Jesus, I'm not. They may all fall away. Do you see a little bit of pride? They may all fall away, Jesus, but I will not. Jesus, I've got your back. Jesus, I'm going to be here. I've got this, Jesus. You can count on me. You can't count on them, but you can count on me. And Jesus said, Peter, before the night's gone, 
You're going to deny that you even know me. And Peter says, no, no, Lord, I've got this. I've got this under control. Even if I have to die with you, Jesus, I will not deny you. Do you see the pride? About 30 years later, Peter writes, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time, he can lift you up. We don't have to lift ourselves up. God will exalt us. Peter had figured this part out. Yes. We need to give ourselves into God's hand. And we need to admit to him, God, I can't handle this. I can't deal with this. I can't deal with this pressure. I can't deal with this stress. I can't deal with this. God, I need your help. We were at Publix. Getting ready to check out. I was pushing the buggy. And we get up to the front and it's crowded. I mean, you can't even walk up there. Buggies lined up in all those, those lanes, you know, checkout lanes. And, and so I'm trying to pick one out, trying to decide. And Toby says, oh, I forgot something. I'm going to go back and get it, you know, get in, get in the checkout lane. And I said, okay. So I'm standing there and I'm, I'm watching the lanes. And I know that whatever lane, I, checkout lane I get in, it's going to be the slowest one. <clears throat> I have a gift. You know, and so I'm standing there. I'm trying to decide which one to to get into, and someone <clears throat> gets hold of the front of my buggy, and and starts to pull it. And I look back, and it's a friend of ours who works there, and she pulls my, our buggy <clears throat> up into this unopened checkout aisle, and she says, "You stay right here." I've got to run to the back of the store for something, and then I'm going to be right back, and I will check you out. Go ahead and unload your stuff. And I'm like, "Whoa." This is great. Thank you. And so she takes off, and I start unloading the stuff. Well, another Publix employee comes walking by and says, Sir, that lane is closed. I said, Yeah, yeah, yeah yes, uh, yes, it is. And now everybody's looking at me. Everybody heard that. Everybody's looking at me, and I can feel their anger seething toward me. You know what? I'm that guy that butts in line that, you know, I'm too important. You know, I don't have to wait for, you know, all this other stuff. I don't have to wait for these other people. I'm the guy that always takes 40 items through the 10 items or less lane. You know, I mean, I can just, these people are just looking at me. I can, I can just feel this and, but I'm unloading my stuff and I feel good. And I mean, everything's good because she's coming back, right? Another minute passes and she doesn't come back, but I have faith in her. I mean, she told me, you know, that she's coming back and I believe it. I I have no reason not to trust her. She said she's coming back. And so I know she's coming back. I'm unloading my stuff. And then another minute passes and I begin to doubt. And fear enters my faith and my thinking and I start to get anxious. See, that's what anxiety is. I start to sweat a little bit. I stop unloading my buggy. And I begin to think, well, maybe she's not coming back. I mean, maybe she's not going to, you know, come back and, and help me with this. And do you see, that's what anxiety is. You know, we know that, you know, it, God's got it. We know he's got it. But when she didn't come back in the time that I thought she should, I begin to doubt. And we do the same thing with the Lord, right? I mean, we, we, he doesn't do what we want him to just at the right time, just when we think he should. And so we begin to doubt him. So Toby comes up with the item that we forgot. And she says, Ira, that lane is closed. <laughs> I'm like, I, I, I know, I know. And I, before I could explain though, uh, our friend comes back and she turns on the light and, and she starts to check us out. But that's how anxiety works. We need help and we need God's help with this. Number two, Peter goes on and Verse seven, and he says, casting all your anxieties on him. Casting all your anxieties on him. Casting our anxiety into God's care is seldom easy. Casting our worries, our anxieties, our troubles, our fretfulness into God's care is seldom easy. And you may want to write in your bulletin, never easy. It's just seldom easy. And when we do it, it's going to be because we have faithfully prayed. It requires faithful prayer. Uh, The apostle Paul in Philippians chapter four in verses six and seven puts it this way. He says, be anxious for nothing. Don't be anxious about anything. Be anxious for nothing. Boy, that is strict, isn't it? 
whoo, that is, that is strict. Don't be anxious about anything, he says. But what should we do? He goes on and tells us. He says, pray about it instead. When you start to get anxious about something, when your faith and your fear begin to battle, you know, right at that very moment, begin to pray. He says, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He says, you take it to the Lord in prayer with thanksgiving, and you're already thanking him, you know, that he's going to do something. So instead of worrying, we're going to replace that worry, that that concern, that fear, that anxiety, we're going to replace it with prayer. And what happens? Well, Paul says, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What's going to happen? We cast our anxiety onto the Lord through prayer. We're giving it to him. We're talking to him. We're we're saying, God, I'm giving this to you. I'm releasing this to you. And he releases to us his peace. We cast to him our anxiety. He casts to us his peace that passes human understanding. And this is what we want because we can't stand all of the stuff that's going on through our minds in our world today. We can't stand it. We can't deal with it. I can't deal with it. I've got to cast that off. We're back in 1 Peter chapter 5. And so Peter says, casting all your anxieties on him. For a lot of us, anxiety is such, having anxiety is such a lifestyle We've been having anxiety and living with anxiety and worry for so long that we, we just think it's part of our lives and we have to have it. You know, and I think maybe it's even addicting that we've just all so long lived in this tense, stressed, you know, lifestyle that we, this is the way it is. This is just the way it is. And some of us say, well, I inherited it, you know. I inherited it. My, my, my mama worried herself sick. You know, I inherited this. I can't help it. And my granny worried herself to death, you know. And, and we just think, well, this is just, this is just part of my life. I mean, this is just the, I can't, I can't help it. How can God help us if we are not willing to turn it all over to him? Peter says, casting all your anxiety onto him. I don't pray first, usually. You know, I figure I can handle this thing. You know, and it's a little thing, and, and I'm, you know, I can take care of it. I, I, you know, prayer is usually not the first thing. It should be, but it's not the, always the first thing I think of. I just deal with it for a while, and then it gets out of hand. And that little care, that little anxiety that we thought we could take care of, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and it's out of hand, and we feeling, we're anxious and we're worried. It requires faithful prayer. It also requires a Jesus focus. Casting all your anxieties on him, all your worries on him. If we're going to release our anxieties to God, we've got to keep our eyes on God. If we're going to cast our anxieties to God, we've got to keep our eyes on him. In Matthew, back to Peter's life, uh, chapter 14, the disciples were out in a boat. A storm came up. It's the middle of the night, and they can't get where they're going. They can't get to where they're, they're headed. They can't get there. And... So the storm is raging. It's three o'clock in the morning or so, and Jesus comes walking to them on the water. And they see Jesus, and, and they're afraid. And Jesus says, oh, relax, guys. It's me. It's just me. And Peter jumps up and says, Jesus, if that's you, command me to come to you on the water. Command me to come to you. And Jesus said, okay, I command you to come to me. Come on. Come on to me. And Peter looks at Jesus, and by faith, looking at Jesus, focusing on Jesus, he steps out of the boat, and he starts walking on the water to Jesus, walking on the water. It requires a Jesus focus. If we're going to cast our anxieties, it requires a Jesus focus. He's focused on Jesus. He's walking on the water to Jesus, and he's almost to Jesus. And the Bible says, and he saw the wind and the waves and the storm. And he saw the storm and he became afraid. Do you see the fear? He had faith and now he's allowed fear to come into his thinking and beginning to sink. He's going down. He cries out, Jesus, save me. And Jesus reaches down and pulls him up out of the water. And he says, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Peter, why did you doubt? It requires a Jesus focus. We've got to focus on him. Listen, the more we stare at the storm, 
the bigger it will get. And for us, the bigger the storm gets, the smaller God might get in our minds. Do you see the danger? And if our faith gets too small, Jesus said, oh, you have little faith. If our faith gets too small and our fear gets too big, we will convince ourselves that God can't handle our problems. And so we're not going to cast them to him. We're not going to release our cares to God because we're all of a sudden, we're not believing that he can even take care of it. If we were to give him our problems, he can't handle it. Do you see how that happens? Don't focus on the storm. And, and this, the, with all that's going on in the world, all the things that are happening in the world, you know, we got to focus on God. Uh, to me, our world is very unstable. Our country is very unstable. And it's just, I'm just speaking for myself. You know, it's more than, worse than ever before. Do you remember after 9 11? Do you remember what we did? We packed the churches. Even people who didn't go to church packed the churches. We had chairs, you know, had to bring in chairs on Sunday morning and Sunday night. People were just looking for an answer. You know, people just looking for God, you know, what happened? How, what can we do? I mean, what's, what's next? You know, God, speak to us. We need your help. And now this time with all this going on, it seems like we've turned to me. We've turned the other way, further away from God and we're fighting you know, and all of this stuff going on in the war in Ukraine, you know, with our, uh, our church members and our life group members, David and Barbara Crossman right there in, in the middle of that. And our world is unstable. Focus on God. God is our stability. Keep our eyes on him. God is our foundation God is our refuge. God is our rock, and we need his peace. We need his peace. Number three, peace is not a place we go, but a person we know. Peace is not a place we go, but it's a person we know. Verse 7 of 1 Peter chapter 5. Casting all your anxieties on him, Peter says, because he cares for you. He cares for you. For you, This is what I think we sometimes think. We think, well, when I get through this little hard spell, when I get through this time in my life or when we get through this and we work through, you know, all this, and I, I believe we will and hope that we will work through all of this. And, you know, but when I get through all of this, then I'm going to be at peace. You know, we get through all this and then I'm going to be at peace. No, no, peace is not a place that we're going to get to. Peace is a person we go to. Peace is in a person. It, peace is not in a place. And we need to understand that. Peace is in Jesus, and we've got to focus on him. Isaiah 26, 3. You keep him in perfect peace, Lord, whose mind is stayed on you. Do you see the focus? If we stay our minds, if we keep our minds on the Lord, what will happen is we'll be able to trust in you whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. God is not distant. And we don't need to live our lives like God is distant. God is not out there somewhere. God's not way out there somewhere uninvolved. He is not way out there somewhere. And God is not out of touch. God's not out of touch with what's going on. He knows what's going on in our nation. He knows what's going on in my life. He knows what's going on in your life. King David, when he was writing the 23rd Psalm, he got to verse 4 and he said, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. For King David, it made all the difference that God was with him. He knew that going through all of that darkness and all that valley and all of that difficulty, he knew that God was with him him. And this is the confidence that we have in him. This is where we find that peace. Peace is not a place we go, but it's a person we know. God is not out of touch and God is not out of reach. He's not out of reach. God's available. You know, and we say, well, I've got all this anxiety. I've got all this stuff. God's available. He makes himself available. to. He wants us to come to him. And no matter how much you're struggling with, with anxiety, he wants you to come and to bring it to him. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, he said, come unto me. This invitation. He said, come unto me. 
Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden or heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Come to me. I will give you rest. I'm telling you, I am very burdened about what's going on in our world and what's going on in my family. I am burdened and I am overwhelmed. And I'm feeling, I don't have this figured out. I want you to understand that I don't have this figured out and I'm not doing it very well. I'm experiencing a lot of anxiety in my life and I have struggled for years with anxiety and some depression and I'm certainly not doing good right now. And maybe you're there too. You know, maybe you're, you know, willing to say, hey, God, I need you. I have got to have you in my life. I can't do this. I can't do this. I've been struggling. And one thing that helps me in my struggles is talking to my therapist. I have a counselor that I, that I go to, and I, I can talk to my Christian counselor and I can get a biblical perspective on what's going on in my life and what's going on around me, and it helps me so, and it encourages me so. In your bulletin is an insert, and in that insert is a list of uh, that the staff has compiled of some Christian counselors. It's not a complete list. My Christian counselor that I go to is not on that list. You know, there, and there are many others, and, and you know, I'm just saying this. Part of humbling ourselves before God and before others is admitting that maybe I need some help. And maybe you need to start with your medical doctor, but maybe you need to go also to a counselor and get some help. We are, we are in a place where we have got to cast our anxieties on the Lord. We have got to cast them. We can't deal with this. I can't deal with this struggle with this pain, with this confusion, with this fear. I can't deal with it. My, I have faith, yes. Sometimes my fear in that battle called anxiety, sometimes my fear gets in there and my fear is so strong and I'm torn up inside. That's not what God wants us to do. If you have not accepted Jesus as your Savior, peace begins right there. You'll never experience any peace until we accept Christ as our Savior. It begins right there with getting on our face before him and, and acknowledging that we need him and we've got to have him. If you've not accepted Christ as your Savior, uh, I'm going to invite you to, to come. We're going to have an invitation and, and you can come and, and I would or someone would like to show you, you know, how you can accept Christ as your Savior. Maybe you need to come and be a part of this fellowship. Maybe you need to come to the altar and say, God, you know, and... Uh, I need help. I need to be able to cast this to you. I don't know how God is leading you, but you respond. Let's stand together. <clears throat> Father, I thank you that you love, love us enough to take all of our anxiety. And God, I help, ask that you would help us to be willing to cast it to you, to release it to you, to give it up. Lord, thank you for taking care of us and for meeting all of our needs. Lord, help us to trust and believe in Jesus' name. found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand.
Receive your blessing from God's word. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Go out now to walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. And all God's people who committed to doing so said, Amen. Amen.